I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, December the 12th. Uh, there's a lot of snow on the ground here that I was not expecting to get. Um, I really lost uh, a bet um, in terms of the you know whether this was going to be a significant snowstorm. It was. Um, but we won't uh, we won't talk weather because um, I'm sure everybody well not everybody a lot of people listen to this podcast are tired probably tired of snow at this point anyway uh, Virginia basketball off uh, for the exam break uh, Virginia football awaiting its um, bulk bowl opportunity against South Carolina so there's plenty of stuff to talk about tonight um, <laughs> not really we're going to talk hoops we're going to talk about sort of the the team to this point in the season we'll even get into some fifth side of the ball. I love it whenever the fifth side crosses over um, into the from from football into basketball. So we're gonna we got a fifth side topic tonight that's gonna be uh, I, I I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody up in Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you, my friend? Doing great, Brad. Ready to go thirty minutes plus for a podcast again. Six years straight. I'll still be good to go in April. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. <laughs> so random and up in arlington uh staff writer justin ferber's also on the program how are you buddy uh, i'm just trying to process what dave was just saying right? but um uh no snow on the ground here but uh at justin underscore ferber on twitter and uh Cavs corner also on twitter Cavs underscore corner great place for the in-game updates content items and the occasional uh witty banter uh i will also have everybody know that uh uva sent out a release or an email today that was basically like, hey, if you want to go to the Duke game in Durham, you need to get your credential requests in, and here's the link. And I did not. I did not. I promise I did not, as I have promised that I wouldn't. I did not uh, put in a credential request for myself. I put in one credential request for one Justin Ferber. Um, so if if Kevin Corner is, is able to be in the building, um, given the limited space available, it will not be myself so uh, nobody you nobody throw uh, things at me um, nobody uh, curse at me uh, I'm not gonna jinx it I promise um, speaking of that basketball team so exam break is here I feel like we've got a good idea uh, of this team um, and then like maybe the most important player got hurt and it's very strange because that important player is like five foot eight and a half and definitely not somebody I expected to talk about. I think if we get into the into the nuts and bolts of like most important, most valuable, and all that nonsense, I think it's safe to say that Kihei is vastly more important than anybody expected him to be to this point. Um, I'm not really – I don't want to say I'm worried about Virginia without him, but he was clearly a cog in that wheel that, made, that gave them a different dimension. Um, maybe not necessarily in, in, to, the, to, the, to the extent that Dre did last year. But certainly the, the, the risk parallels and everything are, are interesting. Um, Ferber, let's start with you because I always start with Dave, and I want to do something different, you know, um, just because I can. Um, how, uh, how amazing is it to you that, that, we're, that, that Virginia loses K.A. Clark, and we're, we're really going to talk about this being a thing? Like, it, it still sort of blows my mind a little bit. What, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know if he'd play at all this year, <laughs> to be quite honest. Right. With you. Like before, yeah. I mean, as we got closer to the season, it seemed more certain that he would. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, I, it, I wasn't exactly counting on him to play a meaningful role this year. As far as like, you know, if he went down, we would be we would be wondering about how the lineups are going to be recalibrated and and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think that the most interesting thing about it and 
well, I, I kind of had a very similar injury myself, and I'm not a doctor. I don't know what Kihei's situation is specifically, but I was able to come back to playing football within like a month. So um, hopefully his is a similar recovery time, but who knows? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that makes it interesting about him specifically being that guy is that there's not really a direct replacement for him um, and what he brings to the team because – you know, like if, if Dre went down, obviously you'd have Braxton able to kind of step in and play that role. You know, you have, you have Mamadi, um, you have other bigs that can kind of play the minutes or, or whatever. Um, obviously, like Kyle and Ty are pretty entrenched, but they don't, you know, like there's nobody that really does what Kihei does on the roster. And, and you could kind of see that in the VCU game, even with the cast um, or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> hand apparatus. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it'll be interesting to see how that affects what they do. But the good news is, I mean, he started what, like four games, five games. Um, it wasn't like they played 30 games with him. And then it's not like a situation like Deandre last year, where they played the whole season with him coming off the bench and playing starters minutes. And then they were gone because he just wasn't available. And they had to kind of react and play games without him, um, you know, on the fly, this team, they played with Kie coming off the bench. So, I mean, I think that they could probably go back to the original lineup and, and be all right. Um, but obviously he brings an energy and a little bit of pressure on the ball that, that we don't see from a lot of the other players. So it's a loss, but um, if you're going to lose him, I guess it's better to do it now just because you have a 10-day break now, and then you have three very winnable games to end the year and then going into league play. Then, you know, by then he's almost been out for a month. So then you could kind of maybe get him back when you get into ACC play. But I guess that remains to be seen. Um, but it is, you know, we've gotten to a point where it is a real loss um, for the team. And hopefully they're able to kind of navigate things without him. Yeah, I think the thing about Kihei, it, well, it's twofold. Your point about them not having, like, somebody else to be Kihei is, is so spot on. Because I think the only other analog might be Jack Salt because who sets screens as well as he does, who plays defense against bigs as physically as he yeah. does. I think that's the only thing that's comparable. Um, because if they lost, you know, if they lost High or they lost uh, Kyle or they lost even Dre because of Braxton, right? They'd have some some pieces to move around. But in, what the interesting thing to me is, like, this is a kid who plays with so much heart, and it's like. It's like that 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 turbo button for him is like stuck forever, right? I mean, he's all in, and the, his ability to sort of just just be that 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 energetic and that dialed in all the time is it's not just impressive, but it's 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 um, it's something that the team feeds off of. And so, not having him on the court and in these next few games, at least, it's going to be really interesting to see how it sort of plays out. I made a joke earlier about you know most important player and I and I, I don't want to don't don't email me like I'm not saying that you know that that's necessarily the truth, but I do think he does something that is irreplaceable right like like Ferber said you're not going to have somebody come in. The other thing for me is that it, it gives Virginia another ball handler on the floor and things seem to work better that way. I'm going to take another angle on this day before I toss it to you and I'm going to say that almost that it might not be a bad thing for this team. Because what here's the one thing about Kihei, right? That kid is exactly what you thought he was, except not scared, right? He's tiny, sure, but the kid plays with heart. He's he's he 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 is fearless. He, he the moment is never too big for him. He does not care. He gives zero, you know what's right. He you're gonna get exactly what you want from him every time. 
So realistically, if there was a piece that they could go without while they try to figure out maybe some roles in the way that these other guys fit together, incidentally, that might not be a bad thing, right? I'm not going to tell you that it's a good thing that Kihei Clark broke his wrist. I am going to tell you that it might not be a bad thing for Virginia's long-term prospects to get Braxton Key some more burn with the, with the, with the primary guys, to get Mamdi Dikite maybe some more burn with the primary guys. Take that, that training wheel, so to speak, of having the extra ball handler off the table and see what the other guys can do against, obviously, not necessarily tremendous competition. How, how off the mark am I there, Dave? What, what does this injury mean in your, in your world? I mean, obviously, we'd rather not have to deal with this at all. But if you're going to deal with it, deal with it. You know, we've got he's gotten a chance. Not only has Tony gotten a chance to see what he is and what he can do for the team, you know, when the bullets are flying, so to speak. But he has also gotten a taste of what the college game is like. So, you know, obviously, he's not going to be able to play for a little while. It might be a couple of weeks, might be a month. Um, and then most likely he'll have a cast for a while when he comes back. But. He still can, you know, there's conditioning, you know, being with the team, non-contact practice stuff. He'll be able to do that. And then the other thing I think is interesting that is, you know, it's his left hand. He'll be able to work on, you know, he'll be able to shoot a lot. So if he can get his shot a little better in the next few weeks and he comes back rested with that bulldog mentality, we know he gets open shots and we know he's hitting them, what, like 31% or something. So he could come back a better version of himself. I do like the concept that now Tony's going to kind of be forced to figure out Braxton and, you know, Mamadi and where they fit. And for the team as a whole progressing towards, you know, the big dance, it, it, it's going to be a positive. I think short term, we're going to see some frustration um, as dynamic. You know, it's funny. I was thinking we talked about leading into the season. A lot of talk was Braxton. Key, you know, we talked on the podcast even about Braxton kind of being another Dre um, and how that would help the team. But it turns out like having Nigel 2.0 was a lot bigger for short term, you know, so far for this team. Um, you know, Nigel picked up a lot of a lot of full court last year, but he struggled in the pack line. And Kihei has been able to pick up, <laughs> pick up his guy full court and then play well in the pack line, which not only – makes him a good player, but it also helps rest. You know, there's like eight figures taking the guys, you know, six, seven, eight seconds to get, <laughs> get into their offense now just because of Kihei. So that's another eight seconds for the other guys to kind of relax. And then you're, you're going against the NBA shot clock essentially. So I think his defense does help the team a lot. Um, but it's going to be, I would say it's a good thing. There's a couple of opponents that are, you know, South Carolina is kind of down and then there's a, but there, you know, it, that'll be probably the toughest test out of the next three games. Um, I'm interested to see what the team does without him because Kihei has been such a big, a big cog. But you know, I, I guess you got to look for the silver lining. And for me, I do expect him to be back. Uh, you know, assuming no complications with healing. Um, but you know, obviously, I think the, the long-term success of this team is going to depend on Braxton and Mamadi in particular getting more consistent and over the next few weeks, you know, they're going to be forced to do so. 
Yeah, I think the thing for me coming out of the VCU game, it one was, I mean, look, that's twice now a kid's played with a broken wrist in a fairly, I mean, a, Dre in the ACC championship game was obviously a different level, but but Kihei is a guard who is going to be asked to do guard things against you know a team that obviously was going to pressure the crap out of you. Now VCU does it a little bit differently now with Mike Rhodes than maybe they did in the in the in the Havoc days, but that's still a in terms of the numbers and what VCU puts out on the floor, that's a really tough defense to play against. The thing that I was most impressed by, other than Kihei going out there with a broken wrist and, and balling out, um, yeah, he couldn't go left. But have you ever seen a dude that everybody was in the gym is like, oh, yeah, he's going to have a problem going left. And he still was able to be like not just like a dude out on the floor, but like a guy making like really good plays like that 10 second call. He basically forced by himself after Ty Jerome's three pointer. I mean, that was one of the most um, unexpected thing. I mean, just it was just it was marvelous, man. Like it was just like I've never seen a dude basically put his entire team on his back. In, and and do that on his own. Like it wasn't even like he had trap help. I mean, he literally just bullied the kid um, until until he got the call. I just thought that was f- fantastic. But beyond that, like that Virginia was able to get to the free throw line thirty times in a game, right? In a game where they shot twenty nine and a half percent. Coincidentally enough, VCU also shot twenty nine and a half percent. But that that Virginia was able to shoot the ball so poorly. And yet, still manufacture points in large part because they got to the line. Now, I know VCU fans, um, if there are any, why would you be listening to this podcast? But if there are VCU fans who heard me say that, they'd be like, oh, yeah, rah, rah. I'm talking about officiating. It doesn't matter. Like, Virginia got to the line 26 of 30. That's, that's a big deal for an offense that has hit a lot of weird uh, skids. Ferber, I'm going to toss this back to you. I'm going to pause it a question. Kihei Clark is the unexpected sort of defensive juggernaut, right? I mean, we all agree that his defense is ridiculous. But this is exactly the kind of thing that Tony Bennett has done throughout his tenure, right? He goes out and he finds these kids who are just great defensive players. He's not exactly an offensive threat. Now, yeah, he gets a lot of open shots. He can he can he can get it to the paint. You know, he every, you know, game he seems to have one play where he takes it in and and like somehow manages to finish either through or through contact or over, you know, much bigger guys. I almost wonder if part of the offensive drought problem Virginia's having right now is that on the one hand, Kihei is not a guy who can really go out and get his, right? And on the other hand, Braxton Key is still it's still too new for him. Like you can sort of see him being like a half a beat or a beat too late on things. Like the ball needs to swing and he catches and he waits. And defensively his rotations aren't maybe quite as crisp, although his defensive rating is the highest on the team. It just seems like to me that in in a lot and it could be that that Kihei's defensive juggernautness, if that's not a word, Brad, but that that is the thing that's actually taken away from the offensive side of this team. And I'm really curious to see what happens to him in the next few weeks without him. What are your thoughts in terms of the potential for this offense to actually be better now that maybe he's not an option for a few weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's likely. Um I think that, you know, obviously I agree with what you're saying about Braxton kind of still learning everything and figuring it out. But I do see flashes of things that I I think he's going to be fine. Um, and I don't think that you think different. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think his his ability on offense to score in a bunch of different ways is good, kind of like on, uh, DeAndre can. Um, and I think that that's a skill set that 
can be very useful for any team, especially starters minutes with the two guys like that wing players that are hard to defend playing at the same time. Um, I think that for all the good things that you just said about Kihei and he does, I mean, I'm not saying he, he's never going to score, um, but he's not likely to score right when he's on the court. I mean, he can knock down a shot here and there. He can get to the rim here and there, but it's almost like a John Tell Evans type effect where like he's just trying to make everybody else better, and that's good. That's good enough for now. But yeah, I think offensively you could see a little bit of an uptick with uh, with Braxton getting more minutes, assuming that's what they do with those minutes. Um, and uh, but again, I mean, I think that it's all about finding the balance between those two things. And uh, I know fans have been critical of Tony at times for being so defense reliant with like the lineups and who plays and who doesn't play and all that stuff throughout the years. Um, but I think that there's a method to the madness and it's proven to work more than it doesn't. So um, I think if you can get a boost on the, I think, I think this could actually be a nice thing in the long run for this team, getting Braxton those minutes, like Dave said, kind of forcing him to play. Um, and, and maybe, you know, that builds his confidence and gets him a little bit more comfortable before the, real weight of the schedule comes around uh, at the beginning of next year. Yeah, because I think that's the thing, right, that this team, that's the, that like, look, I'm not trying to say that Kihei's not important. He's absolutely important. And I don't even want to come off as, as implying that he's not going to be the difference in some of these ACC games just because he's little or whatever, whatever. But, like, the versatility piece that we talked about ad nauseum in the preseason, that Tony talks about, you know, talked about in the preseason as well as, you know, the first couple games, like, you want Braxton and Dre to be hitting on all cylinders or at least approaching that as you get into to league play and to the meat of your schedule because that versatility, their ability to, to put either one of them on various guys and, and, and defensively, whether it's shutting off the water, offensively trying to get a shot, that's the piece that I think that makes this team, that takes this team from being really good to special. And I don't think that it's it's wrong to think that that's the, that's the, that's the, the mystery box that Tony has to figure out a way to unlock. Like, you know, sometimes with transfers, it's actually a good thing that they can't play right away because you're able to sort of get the stink of the old school off of them a little bit. Um, you know, you're able to, to sort of, um, they, they have that time to not just get a, a, you know, really acclimated to your culture and your systems, but sort of be in it. And that, that's not, you, you don't go, you know, you don't go from one to the other and just magically works. You know what I mean? Like you're you're part of a much like bigger operation, and so it it it's going to be a good thing for them to 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 be forced to use those minutes elsewhere. I think it's also going to be good for Braxton and probably Mamadi too, because I think if you think if you think about it, take Kihei's minutes and split them. That's probably what's going to happen. Um, Dave, I'm going to toss it back to you, and 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 ask you a question. Where do you think? those minutes for Kihei go and where would you want them to go in terms of, so let me, let me, let me ask a, a follow-up to, to clarify. Do you think the way it works out is the way you, you would like it to work out? Hmm. I mean, it's going to be a little jaded the next few, you know, next couple of games because there should be some bench minutes available um, in two of the next three non-conference games for sure. I do think the starting lineup's gonna. I think Mamadi's probably gonna go into the starting lineup. Um, with with Dre and Braxton will be the first guy off the bench. That's just a hunch. So, I, I think you're gonna see pretty much 
Braxton's going to see an uptick in his minutes, and Mamadi is too, but I don't know if it'll be consistent because Mamadi <laughs> sometimes, you know, has to go to the bench a little quick. You know, I, I do. I'm wondering um, if we're going to start seeing a little more playing time for Marco Anthony. I think, given especially this little these last three uh, non-conference games, I do think that's a good time to to get him some burn as well. So those three, I think, will get the bulk of it. I don't think Huff is going to see a big uptick in minutes because I, I just don't see how the team like. I don't see it. I know I'll get hated for that. I just don't. How see dare it. you? How dare I? Um, but you know what, Mamadi brought in that second half against VCU. Like when that's when he can do that, we're you know, it's a much different team. Um, granted, Jay can do that um, in, in spurts, but. Defensively, Mamadi is a little more solid, and I think that's being kind. Um, I, I do think the, the minutes are going to benefit, benefit Braxton a lot. Um, at this point, to me, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it, it's almost like he doesn't understand efficiency. Like he's so used to Alabama a little bit higher tempo. Um, like he can get to the rim, and sometimes it's not to the rim with control. So he'll just kind of throw it up on the glass and he misses what appears to be open layoffs. But he's, you know, he's, you know, he's moving through traffic. It's not a great shot. It's not, what was the term they used last year? Like getting there with two feet or something. Um, go off, go off two. Going off two feet. Like he's not doing that much. Um, so I think the potential's there. I just think he needs to kind of value possessions. Realize a out of control layup is probably not as good as an open three with the caliber of player he has around him. And that, that'll come with playing time. So those are, I, I think Marco would kind of be the surprise guy that gets a little more minutes versus say Jay. Um, how many minutes, I don't, I'm, I should have pulled this up, but you know, um, Bryce Perkins won the Dudley award. So I'm sort of busy during that segment. <laughs> um, what um, do we know ballparkish? How many minutes per game Kihei's playing right now? Does, do either of you guys know? It's gotta be 30 ish. Okay. I can, I can tell you in like two seconds. All right. You look that up while I'm talking which would obviously be long because I'm, you know, um, a blowhard. Um, so it, it seems to me that if I, if I had a, if I had a pie chart, right, that could 28.3 minutes and break up his 28.3 minutes, which I knew off the top of my head. Thanks. Um, I would give most of them to Braxton and Mamadi, but I would give some of them to Marco Anthony. And here's why Marco Anthony has the potential to be as, um, as a as a as a guy who comes in and plays defense, right? In terms of a in terms of being someone who can who can sort of be a physical a big physical guard that maybe he comes in and he can defend guys that Kihei can't defend. For example, at right now, if Virginia's playing, you know, these Syracuse teams, right, that that have had Ty Battle and Frank uh, Howard and stuff, right, and you need to go and guard a kid six five six six. Right, you're probably going to use Dre or Braxton, right? We we understood, but it's not a bad idea to get your third guy ready, and the third guy is Marco, and I think that it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a you know terrible thing if he got a little burn, just something you know consistent where he can get some minutes, and that way when you get into ACC play, because there are going to be games when Kihei is a, is an important piece, and they're probably going to be games where he's maybe not as impactful just because of the 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 sort of physical. Um, differences that maybe he's he's having yeah. to, to do like with. Syracuse a yeah. great example yeah. or Duke 
Yeah, exactly. Like, what's he going to – You know, how is he going to help? But Marco, maybe he's not full-on Kihei in terms of his impact, but he's, you know, 75 65% of that is not bad. And so I would take a few of those minutes. I still think – I'm really intrigued to see coming out of the exam break, like, what we saw from Mamadi the other day. Is that – a sign of things to come, or is it just his normal flash and, and fade? You know, is he snoring on us? You know, the the you know where the light goes really bright and then it comes back down and fades away and then it comes really bright and it fades away. Like, is he is he is this the start of a consistent streak for him, or is it just his his usual kind of up and downness? Because if it's the start of something consistent, man, that was really good to see. You know, his his those couple buckets he had, I thought he he was well within himself. Uh, I think what he finished with one foul in that game. He was exactly sort of what they what they needed exactly when they needed it. Uh, if he's able to do that with some consistency, that's important. Um, but for what do you think? How would you sort of split those minutes up if if you had if you had the uh, the magic wand, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the minutes right now. Um, Braxton's playing about 21. Mamadi's playing about 16. So I would probably give them each, you know, a decent share of those. And I, I agree with what you're saying about Marco. I think. Last year, he had to play a lot in that Louisville game because Nigel was suspended, and you know he looked comfortable. And, and we talked about it during the game. Um, you know, I wasn't worried about having him out there because he's a basketball. Like, he's not a guy that's, like, learning the game. He just needs to kind of, like, refine his shooting and, and you know, obviously learn what UVA does. But he's he's a guy that's um, – he's not like a momity that's, like, only played basketball for X amount of years or, like, a Jack, you know, who's played in New Zealand – um, you know, he, he's a good basketball player and I think that he's a competent scorer. He can, he's a big, like you said, big physical guy. And also he can play the point guard. Uh, he can, he can be a ball dominant player. We've seen that this year. Um, you know, usually in, in, as a reserve, you know, like later in games or whatever, but I mean, he can do it. So I think when you can add a guy like that and then let Ty play off the ball, I think that would be really beneficial as well. And that's another thing that Kihei brings besides defense. I, I do want to move over to the fifth side here uh, shortly, but I want to want to wrap up with one other comment. Um, and Dave, I'll, I'll I'll let you chime in uh, as well. So, as as this thing is is gone forward, we've we've had a couple shows here in the past few weeks where we've talked about things we like, things we don't like. Ferber wrote a, a good three two one about sort of where things are um, for the team, even though this isn't like the end of the non conference schedule. It sort of feels like a a good sort of pause because of the exam break. Um, I, I don't want to get into like what do you want to see and blah 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 because uh, we've sort of done that I, but I do want to talk a little bit about um, sort of what what we feel like is is what are the storylines right what what are the things that 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 everybody's looking for obviously with this team all season long it's going to be what they do in March we can't can't know that until we get there ACC play is going to be really interesting because it looks like to me at least and you guys can chime in what you think the league looks super top heavy to me. Um, I feel like I know what they got at the top. I don't know what the rest of the league is going to be like. Um, and so the grind that we are sort of accustomed to, I don't know if it's going to be less grindy, but I almost think it might be. Virginia has obviously got to play Duke twice. There's there's really tough games in there. I don't want to make it seem like it's going to be a, a cakewalk, but certainly the night in night out mentality um, and sort of what, what Virginia has sort of hung its hat on might not necessarily be the way it is this year. So what are the storylines for you for this team? Is it, is it about the way that they come together? Is it about, 
um, how consistent they can be offensively and get rid of those droughts? Like, what are the things that are, are, are really forefront in your mind as the ACC schedule approaches? I mean, for, for me, obviously, you're right. I mean, the big story with this team is always going to be what happens you know, in March and hopefully April. And I, honestly, I still feel like you see that some in the way this in stretches during the games. Like, maybe it's just me as a fan, but I, I, I feel like it's an issue that they're going to have to deal with. Not in the big games, not in the Dukes and the Carolinas they can get up for, but like the Wake Forest, you know, a Wake Forest on a Tuesday or whatever it is. Like the, those games that are monotonous, like that, I think those games are going to be the ones they struggle with um, just getting up for them because they know it doesn't matter, um, that no one's going to give them credit for winning those games anymore. They want to see them win in March. Uh, so how they deal with that and where they find the internal motivation, I think that's one of the things I'm most worried about with Kihei gone. I think Kihei was the spark to kind of be fun and different from last year that makes this a new season and kind of makes this a new team. Um, so with him gone, like how do they deal with that? How do they focus on this year and not worried about what happened last year? Um, and, you know, going into the AC season, I, I kind of disagree with you. I mean, I think the, the ACC, I think Duke's better than Duke was last year. I think Carolina's as good, if not better, than they were last year. Virginia Tech, still not sold them being a top 15 team, but then I look at the other teams in the top 25, and they're probably better than some of them. Um, so there's going to be grinds, and, you know, Pittsburgh's better. Wake Forest is garbage. I mean, there's, there's, there's certainly going to be some down nights, but the ACC's still tough. Um, so, yeah, it, it, I kind of feel bad for this team that, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what happens in the regular season unless it's bad. And then it becomes like just proof <laughs> that they weren't good, right? Like, it doesn't it's matter a, how good they yeah. do in the regular season. Yeah, because if they lose in the regular season, it'll be like, is there a hangover from the yeah. UMBC game yeah, or something? Like, like what's they're going in an on? absolute zero win situation. I see. So no one, no one cares com- if they go tw- seven, you know, 14 and one, wherever it is in the ACC or 17 and one. Um, but and people will talk if they go nine like, and nine. And you're comparing it to like almost perfection last year. Like, yeah. if that's your standard for, you know, it's like people, um, I talked about this uh, the week after UVA played Tech in football. The, that day, they were playing Wisconsin. And everybody was like, if they lose this football game and this basketball game, I'm going to die. And I'm like, you shouldn't put those two things at the same level. Like, <laughs> one of them is very important to the trajectory of the program. And the other one is like a blip on the radar, win or lose. Right. Like, it does not matter in the grand scheme of things. You have 25 other games to play that mean a lot, you know, or like all together mean a lot, but not one one game here or there. And like you said, like that weight game here or there, like, you know, if they lose it, oh, well, you just don't want to do it a bunch of times. I want to I want to chime in two things. One, Dave basically just proved my point. He was like, "No, no, I think the ACC's. I'm going to disagree with the ACC's." So he named like four teams, five teams, right? And that was it. And yo, it's a 14 team league. But right? I, but I do still think it's better than last year. No, well, I, I do. But I'm just saying, Clemson looks like trash. Miami looks like trash. Uh, Pitt's still going to be trash. Uh, Wake's Brad, trash. Brad sounds like that VCU fan that was. Uh, <laughs> you're trash. <laughs> you're, and trash. you're trash. And you're trash. Uh, no, I'm just saying, like, the bottom of the bottom is really low. Let's put it to you like this. Last year, yeah, Pitt was horrible, but pretty much everybody else could give you a tough game, right? I don't think that they're going to be nearly as many tough games because of the. You, do you see what I'm saying? The it's not that the it's not that the league sucks or that it's easy. 
Um, it, and not even that the top end is not really good. I just think that it's really top heavy. I just think that the ceiling is really is higher, but the floor is more consistently lower. And I don't know if it's going to be quite as gr- much of a grind. And I think one of the things that stood out to me about Sunday, and I, and I think God was it what I was on uh, Greg Burton's show on Tuesday, but like. One of the things that, that stood out to me was is that that was exactly the kind of game that Virginia is just used to being in, right? Those lo- that low possession sort of rock fight, like Virginia's really good at that. Like, oh, you want to do this? Let's do this. And they were never, you know, that was never going to be a thing. It, it, Virginia's been able to make a lot of hay in recent years because those are the kind of games that they love. Like, yeah, let's, let's be, see which one of us is more efficient. You try it. And well, also, it's like we can win on bad nights. Like yeah, that's, that's their true. mentality. That's, yeah, like we're not true. having our best night, but we we still win. We're gonna find like, a way. Yeah. And then yeah. the other thing I want to point out is, in terms of like this team, I, I, the one thing I would say is, and I'm gonna forget which game it was. I feel like it might have been Morgan State, and somebody asked in post game. I forget what the, how the question was phrased, but Kyle Guy basically said, no, it was easy because of the way last season ended. And he didn't – nobody brought up UMBC. He brought it up himself. It, yeah, I, like I to think, motivate for the game or whatever. Yeah, well, like, yeah, like why would you – like why do you care about, you know, coming out and being sharper in the second half when you're up? Or taking 30? them seriously. Yeah, I exactly. think that was like yeah, the larger – Yeah, you're right. And so, like, I think the one thing about, like, if the season can be, you know, is are they in a no-win situation? In some ways, in terms of, like, the national sort of, like, mentality about Virginia basketball, sure. Mark Titus wrote this great story, had this great blurb in his, his power rankings or whatever it was the other day. They basically, like, nobody cares about Virginia right now because, you know, it feels like everything that can be said about them is said about them. And they're sort of going to go to work in the ACC. Yeah, it'll be a big deal when they play Duke and Carolina and such and such. But, like, realistically, like, the re- the, the sort of – National basketball sort of stratosphere just isn't going to be paying attention for a while, and that's probably not a bad thing. But I do think that they're in a win. In a, in, in there, I do I do disagree that they're not in a no win because I think that the way they handle these crappy games matters just as much as the big ones, right? Because realistically, the reason they lost that night was not because UMBC was was some Cinderella who was ready to you know to make history. They lost that night because they weren't very. They didn't play well, and they and they ran up against a team that maybe was better than what their seed said, or however you want to phrase that. But ultimately, it's a game Virginia absolutely should have won and just didn't. That's probably going to be the same when they like play Wake Forest and Boston College. You know what I'm saying? And like, whoever they play in the first round next year, exactly, or yeah, this year. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like that's actually the the mentality that Kyle talked about that night. You know, unprompted. You know, why do you care? Because of the way last season ended. They, if they carry, if they're able to carry that through an entire ACC schedule, regardless of what the record says, that's a win, because it 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 means that they understand that even that even on nights when they're supposed to win, they've got to be able to bring it. And that's the one lesson that seems to really have broken through to these kids. Is that like it's a mentality you have to have every game. You can't just wait for other guys to make plays. You got to go out there and win the thing. Um, and that's you know offensively, defensively, they didn't do that in March, and that's something they have to do come in March. And so, if you really want to pre- quote unquote prepare yourself for what that entails, I think that mentality is something of it. You know, you can't you can't run and hide from it, like Soderberg told me, right? You can't, you know, you're not going to quit your job, right? You're you're you gotta you gotta figure out a way to embrace it. I think that they have, and actually, I as much as I get tired of the whole UMBC thing, I do think that's an interesting sort of premise through which to view not just what has happened, but what will happen to this team through ACC play. 
I mean, you can sort of view the entire season through that lens. Like, I mean, like when the season's over, if they lose in the second round, if they win the national championship or whatever, you can like, you can kind of frame it as like, how did they like the, like the, the seasons, um, like if it was like a novel or like a screenplay, like the seasons, like main event that changes the course of the story is the UMBC, like a game that happened last year. Right. Right. Yeah. And then this whole season is basically like a, the story of the season is how do you respond? Yeah, to this that? is the this is the third act, right? The, right. You know, the whatever comes after. It's that. not like its own independent season, even if they want it to be. Right. Right. Um, I, I I told Dave before the podcast started that I would let him set up the fifth side, but now I feel bad putting him out there like that, so I'll, I'll set it up. <laughs> um, so I don't know if anybody, if you're if you're a UVA fan and you're listening to this show and we're talking UVA, you may have heard of a kid named Javon Quinterly. Uh, was a five-star point guard. Tony was really interested in, recruited like crazy. Ultimately, he picked Arizona. Then there was all this uh, drama about the FBI investigation, and they, you know, Quinterly was caught up in it. And there was some—I I forget the details, but suffice to say, it wasn't good. And he ultimately uh, signed with Villanova, and he's a freshman at Villanova. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Villanova ain't exactly had a great start to the season, and yet uh, Quinterly's not really getting any minutes. And so Eight I, per game. I believe on his Instagram last night, he posted a, something and had some verbiage that said, basically, there's a reason that this was my second choice. Now, it got deleted pretty quickly, but the Internet never forgets. Um, and so on our fifth side of the ball tonight, we wanted to talk about this, mainly because I think uh, Dave liked the idea of, like, what would happen if. So the premises of, of this conversation that we're going to have here for a few minutes is if – Javon Quinterly, five-star kid, was at UVA and wasn't playing. How, I don't know if we want to say national media folks or non-traditional, like non-UVA. like Recruit Knicks. Recruit Knicks. Yeah, That's those kind I'm of people. For. Or even fans on message boards would just crucify the crap out of Tony. if he No, no, no fans on message boards would ever complain about who Tony plays and doesn't play. Doesn't that would play. never That's happen. True. It's true. I mean, That's very true. especially not when they're nine and zero. <laughs> especially not when it's working. Yeah, I mean, what and and what's funny about it is is that this that the, the that the response to this in the last twelve hours or whatever has been or twenty four hours, I guess maybe at this point because it was last night. Like it's been largely positive because they're like, no, like Jay Wright should be able to play who he wants to play, and this kid should, you know, da 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 da. da. And I find it sort of fascinating that like, why does why why we give Jay Wright a pass? Is it because he's won a couple titles? Is it because like, what is it? I, I guess maybe I should have gone over to some Villanova message boards and seen what the fans think of it. But, like, in a situation where Tony Bennett has a five-star dude on the bench and he's not playing and then he says something like that in public, the meltdown would be so, so crazy. Like, it would, it would, be, it would be something to behold. I, granted, as somebody who owns a site with a message board, I have zero interest in this event development. I don't want that. <laughs> If, if Tony wants to sign any five stars and then not play them, I would really pr- appreciate it if he didn't. Um, Dave, what what was so interesting to you about this this sort of hypothetical? I mean, for, for me, obviously, you know, Quinterly's got a lot of you know a lot of a lot going on, a lot of baggage from you know being associated with the FBI investigation and all that stuff. Um, but it's an afterthought, I think. I think the average fan probably forgets that's where he ended up, right? Um, you know, he was such a big recruit, and then boom, he's gone from Arizona. Um, and now we're talking about, you know, we only talk about Duke. That's that's the rules now. Um, 
but it just kind of, you know, he's, I was blown away to find out he was only playing eight minutes a game. I knew it wasn't playing much, but I was like 8.6 minutes per game. Um, For a uh, reference, uh, let me give you a couple. Uh, Jay Huff is playing 9.7. Yeah, and, and that's and plenty so to is, keep people and so happy. Is Mark, and so um, is Marco Anthony. Yeah. So basically, he's not playing. Yeah, he's not playing at all. I mean, you're you're talking, you know, obviously Villanova's had some tough games because they're, I think they've lost three already, but... Um, but it's like it's not even a topic of conversation. The conversation is Villanova's so young because they lost so much from last year, and you know Jay's trying to get them together, and they're talking about the other uh, other young guys they have. Um, but literally, like I, I can't imagine. Like Tony got so much grief for redshirting a four star, right? <laughs> not playing him, and here you've got a five star who. Now the talk is, whoever said he was one and done? Well, a lot of people said he was a one and done type, especially, yeah, you know, he wasn't getting, there wasn't money involved in bringing him if he wasn't. That's, that's yeah, that's, that was right? I was about to say, like, yo, when they start talking yeah. about, like, there's money, ba- when there are bags involved, like, that's a pretty good sign that you were pretty, you know, somebody yeah, thought you were pretty That's not a four-year investment you're making. Yeah, right? Dude. That's exactly. a, I want to get paid yeah. next year. Yeah, yeah I, don't think, I don't think UC Davis was out here dropping the bag for Keith. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's no disrespect to Kihei, but like you know, we all you know we all fit in somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh. it's, it's maybe the issue is that like you know maybe Philadelphia doesn't have an intrepid reporter to call Quinterly's brother and find out how he feels about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, but I, I just I, I kind of laugh like thinking about how bad, how hard not only our local people but just. Um, Everyone in the world be like, this is why five stars don't go to Virginia because Tony needs them to learn his defense yeah. before he plays them. See, I think that Jay Wright can do it because, like you said, he's won the titles and they don't have that rep. But if if Bennett did it, I think the biggest criticism would be that it's like he doesn't, he's not going to play. Like it would be negatively recruited, you know, against him. Like hundred percent. I think that would be the biggest ramification of it. And honestly. Um, I'm not like gonna praise the guy because I don't know what goes on in practice, but Jay Wright should be able to play the players he wants to play. He's earned that right, you know. Like he probably knows what he's doing, <laughs> but I mean, I understand that people probably aren't gonna. Their fans are probably more frustrated than anybody because they're probably like, "Well, we're six and three, and the dude's not playing. Like, how much worse could we be?" You know. And but, I think, and I think too, dude, like that 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 this this is sort sort of coinciding with. Um, um, what's his name at Kentucky, right? Deciding to transfer. Yeah, Quadi Green. Like, and, and like Cal has been missing on these five star kids, and now all of a sudden has decided that maybe this whole uh, one and done uh, brigade is not the right look for him. Um, but it's just fascinating to me that at the same time, Quinley's at Villanova, a place that wins, right? And sort of unhappy with his playing time and, and going about it the wrong way. Um, at the same time, like, Quadi's leaving, like, even before the semester, because he knows he can, you know, if he can hurry up and get himself moved over, he could he could go somewhere and and, and maybe play, you know, whatever, whatever. I just I just wonder, like, I just I, I let me take a step back. I think most people have a gross misunderstanding of like what these top end players do and don't care about or do and don't need, right? And like these coaches, maybe outside of like Cal and K or whatever, and maybe you know, Bill Self, but like they deal with these, they deal with kids the same regardless. You know what I'm saying? Like, like if Quinterly came in and was good, like it's not like he would be riding the pine to prove a point. He's riding the pine because he's not good enough. He's not doing what's expected of him. Right. And like, I'm not one of these people, like I don't refer to people as like coach, you know, like 
I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't refer to Tony Bennett as CTB. Like, I hate, I hate that. I'm not one of these people who like worships coaches and owners. Like, it's one of those weird things in sports that always bugs me. But like, coaches have to coach. Like, that's their job. And like, ultimately, you're right. Like, Jay Wright should decide who plays for him and how many minutes. Just like, you know, Tony has to decide. Like, hey. Kihei Clark might be tiny, but he does all the things I want him to do. And Jay Huff might might have this like really cool skill set, but he can't, you know, he doesn't rebound well, and that's probably, you know, that's problematic for me. Like, and I understand like people who who who's a Pruder film the the crap out of Jay Huff's minutes and want to try to figure out like, okay, why is he not playing? I just don't know what they watch that I don't see because I don't see it that way. Um, I literally see, just points. That's what people. I mean, I'm not trying to criticize the people who want him to play more, but no, people I mean, see the offensive flashes and they're just like, "Oh, he needs to be out there because we could score more points and be more fun." And I mean, there's there's some truth to the idea that like if Virginia scored more points and the defense doesn't matter as much, but also too like, you know, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. Um, I think at the same uh, Jay time, was on the. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say at the same time, like I. I, I know that there were people who, when we had that conversation about Kihei's minutes, who thought like, "Hey, why don't we get, you know, why don't we get some of those for Jay Huff?" I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think just be, he doesn't have to be perfect when he plays, but that you can see, you can see the reasoning, right? When he does play, you can see why he doesn't play more or what have you. There are gonna be games, I think, where you're gonna need him to come in, and I probably and look, if 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 Quinley stays at Villanova, Jay's probably gonna have games where he brings Quinley in and it helps, right? Um, but Ultimately, like the fact that he that the fact that like coaches have to have they, they, they are paid to make decisions and they have more information than anybody. And that's not to say they shouldn't be questioned. Right. But it is to say that, like, um, it happens to everybody and it happens no matter how good the player was or how good they're supposed to be or how, you know, whatever. Like it's it's a thing that happens everywhere. It's just interesting to me that it's a kid who I don't want to say Villanova should have known not to not to take but at the time when he when it when it became pretty clear that it was going to be Villanova I was definitely among those people who was just like wait what like of all the places for him to land like that was the one that just didn't make the most sense it didn't make any sense to me um but and Villanova in fairness has a pretty clean reputation yeah, exactly. we can tell so. yeah exactly yeah. what were you gonna say Dave but here's the thing well, I had a few things, but number one, like I, when when um, Quinterly posted that thing about this is why it was my second choice. Like, I, I'm not sure Virginia wasn't his first choice, based on the way that whole thing played out. Which is an aside, but I want to bring it up. Um, the other thing, what was, what did you just say that I'm drawing a blank? Um, I don't know, Dave. I talk a lot. I don't know. You go to something else. I'll come up with it. Well, I had I had a thought actually. Um, you know, like this is a completely different, and I don't want people to compare what Jay Wright, multiple-time national champion, does with his lineups to this. But it's kind of like the Robert Deny situation, right? Like Bronco wanted, he was told by the AD when he got hired that he could pick his coaches. He did that. He brought in guys that he wanted to work with and that he thought would be good, right? And then, of course, things went bad, and then they got better, and then this year they got better. And is the offense where it needs to be, uh, like, absolutely complete finished product? No. Um, do they have work to do? Yes. Um, but if Bronco feels comfortable with him as the offensive coordinator, then I think that you can question it or um, 
you know, go against it or disagree with it, but that's the way it's going to be. And he will have to ultimately live with that result. But I don't think it's a decision that like should ne- I don't think necessarily like somebody should come in and tell him what to do. Right. I think he should be able to make that choice. And if he wants to live, if like the results aren't good, then he will have to own up to that. Right. Being the person that makes that choice. Just like if the if Villanova goes 17 and 12 and goes to the NIT and Javon Quinterly leaves and goes and plays in the D league next year and is good, then he will have to live with that. But he also won two national championships. So, I mean, it's not like he's somebody that probably cares what people think. Yeah. And it certainly didn't work out very well for UVA. The last time they told a head coach to fire a bunch of coaches and keep the head coach and, you know, have, make them have a staff that they didn't necessarily want. Right. Um, yeah, Dave, did you come well. up, did you come up with what you wanted to say? I did, but it's kind of past now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I did, but, but it, it's old. The one thing, I, the one thing we haven't mentioned on any podcast yet is, you know, the whole talk of the off season was how Kihei got Ty so upset that Ty threw a ball off his head. Like, does anyone have any doubt that happened now? <laughs> no, I don't have any doubt. That I, that I have a feeling that might happen in an ACC game this year. Yeah, um, no, he, yeah, yeah, he is he is a pestering little son of a gun. And what I'm what I'm most interested to see is when he plays up, you know, when he goes against a highly regarded, you know, highly recruited point guard who looks at Kihei and is like, I don't even need to I'm not gonna put forth any effort and act like he like I need to work to beat this dude. Like, you know, that's gonna be so fun to watch. Um maybe, maybe. You, we we should take a we should take a bet on that. Like you're looking someone forward to throw a ball at some guys, right? Yeah, like take 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 me lightly at your own peril. Yeah, um, good stuff. I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to uh, thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time. If you are someone who found the podcast through the website, feel free to give us a review. Always helps um, helps us to to generate um, you know uh, listens and and that kind of thing. Um, if you are somebody who's found the podcast. Um, but has not checked out the website, give us a look. Uh, we, we do a lot uh, of you know, f- covering this, these two programs. Ferber writes a lot of words. This week we, we had a, a kind of a 3-2-1, um, like I mentioned, on sort of where the team is. We, we've got some, some football stuff um, talking about, you know, I, we got some access to, to Bronco and the players, you know, Bryce Perkins, Bryce Hall. Um, we'll also talk about the, the key injury later this week, so give us a look at CavsCorner.com, and, and feel free to review us, whether that's – we're on Stitcher now, which coincidentally enough, I thought we already were because we were in the iTunes database, but apparently you have to do something different for Stitcher. But we're on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Overcast, um, Castro, whatever app you use, we're there. Um, so give us a review, uh, and uh, that definitely helps us out. Again, for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.